So that's what I mean when I say that in African tradition, the womb is a sacred space. It is a sacred space. And there are many institutions that were put in place to support the woman and to support her womb, her relationship with a womb. This is the second episode of Umoya on African spirituality. I'm Atambile Masola. And I'm Melissa Tandopongela. The whole concept of the show is about reigniting and understanding African spirituality in the 21st century. We seek to walk this journey with young and elderly people alike, where we become a nexus whereby Singabandu, we can inquire together. We've identified people from different fields to talk about how spirituality feeds into their daily lives, be they musicians, healers, teachers, scientists, artists, and activists. On this episode, we're talking womb health. Our conversation is with Tsulufele Monare, or Gogo Sophia, a Johannesburg-based filmmaker, Sangoma, integrated shaman and energy healer, trained in advanced meditation, traditional African therapy, and Andean mysticism. So I guess we've been chatting about having this conversation and what it means for us. You're going to start with our intentions, yeah? Yes. Um, and I mean, you guys know each other beforehand and you and I have been having our own conversations. So for me, it's been about how do we have this conversation about this part of our lives that's more than biology? Mm-hmm. So we interact with our wombs. It's strange because we start in our wombs and then we completely mm-hmm. disconnect with them and then they become about biology. So I'm interested in how do we bring that conversation into the public discourse that this thing is more than just biology and that while there's a mystery to it, it's also something that's in our bodies. It's almost as if our bodies remind us that this is a part of who we are. Mm-hmm. But how do we reconnect with that energy again? So, and then of course there's the the politicization of our bodies. So, the, for me at least, when you meet your womb, it's about controlling your womb, mm-hmm. and we'll talk a bit about that. So, how do we let go of that control mm-hmm. and allow the allow ourselves to have the conversation about it, just like bring it into public discourse, the blood mm-hmm. and the everything in a way that is also about healing. Mm-hmm. So th- that's why I think I'd like the conversation to go. Mm. Do you want to add anything? Yes. So from, from, me, from my side, my intention in this conversation is to liberate the truth mm-hmm. about our wombs, liberate the truth about ourselves. Um, and I also want to help facilitate a conversation about healing the stuff that we're carrying unwittingly and mm-hmm. passively, um, and also to kind of let the, the 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 knowledge and the symptoms emerge. How do how do our wounds tell us what's wrong? Mm-hmm. I kind of want that to be a conversation that people leave with at the end and relate to their own lives, and and finally. To, to put my own healing in my own hands mm-hmm. and to, I'm loath to give away that power to somebody else or to think I'm powerless mm-hmm. in doing that. And I know that having worked with you before, um, that is your kind of core message is this idea that we can heal ourselves. Yes. Yeah. So 
So we usually start off with a kind of easy question. Um, So tell us about your names. Because, and we say names because... I know you as Gogo Sophia. Yes, yes. But on my phone, you're saved as Tulofila Monare. Yes. So tell us about that relationship and which one you identify with. Did you identify with both? And well, I Tulofelo is my birth name, and I, I I love my birth name. It it means hope. Mm. <laughs> and um, you know, like in Sesotho, I'm not a Mosotho, but but in Susutu Bari Lina Libisirumu. You know, so I so it's it's a name that reminds me of who I am and what it is that I came to bring into this world. And whenever I am confused or in doubt or <laughs> you know, or you know, I'm just like, oh what the hell <laughs> is going on? You know, I just think I may not have the answers to all the, you know, all the questions in my life, but there is hope. <laughs> you know, and um, and obviously, some, you know, it's symbolic. It was something symbolic for my parents. You know, you know, bringing a child into this earth and bringing in that hope but also that newness that new energy mm. that new frequency and Gogo Sophia is my spiritual name it was um, I twasat in Mandau Manguni in the Nzusa lineage and that was the name that was given to me by my elders by my ancestors and Obviously, that name, oh, it, it carries, ooh, it carries so much body. It carries a history. Mm. It carries a vibration and energy. It carries an integrity that I have to live up to. You know, that I, that my divine purpose has to match up to that vibration. Mm. And if you understand the world of the ancestors, you understand that in this reality we are seen, we identify with ourselves as individuals. Mm. But as soon as you step into the ancestral realm, you are moving into, you know, it, it is, it's like that individuality starts to dissolve. And you are stepping into a massive body of this collective consciousness. Mm. So in this life, you know, I identify with Tsulufelo, grew up here and, you know, lived this life, but... In, in, in the ultimate reality, it's, it's just this massive body that is neither masculine nor feminine. It's, it's both. Mm-hmm. It's androgynous. Mm. And it is about bringing, birthing, or resurrecting Sophia. Mm. 
Okay. In this reality. And it is about dissolving the separation, bringing the correction, bringing in alignment. When I got that name, it was about boom, that. You are Sophia. And that is the vibration, that is the energy that you emanate, that you bring into this world, into this reality. So it's, it, yeah. It carries, <laughs> it carries a lot of weights. You know, it carries a lot of, and I, you know, I have other names as well, you know, because I, I have been initiated in, um, and many other paths. <laughs> mm, speak more to that, because that was actually my second question. Mm -hmm. So what are the paths that you've followed for yourself? Because you, there's both Ubungoma and a shaman. So how did you even arrive at that spiritual practice? Well, you know, my, my early years in this life were very challenging. <laughs> they were hard years, hard, you know, to the point where I was... I was literally crawling on my knees. <laughs> and I think that when you are faced with such challenges, which, with such suffering, mm. you know, when you're brought to the ground on your knees and it, uh, it's almost like every... It's like I had to find an outlet for myself to be able to cope with the hardness and the harshness of that reality and I I studied well I I was drawn to meditation at what age I was 14 hmm. I was 14 and I I was drawn to that and, and it was very interesting because until I was about the age of 20, 22 or 23, I had no formal training in meditation or in anything. Mm -hmm. I had experienced a great many things, you know, that were extraordinary <laughs> and out of this world and paranormal and... You know, I had no teacher. I had no teacher. I had no one to go, okay, I relate. You know, there wasn't a Sangoma down the road or, <laughs> or a Zionist priest or, you know, it, it was just and being in that silence, mm -hmm. right? You are in silence because you are not... You don't have someone talking to you, you know, introducing ideas, whispering in your ears, telling you, oh, this is what is happening. This is what is unfolding. It, you know, there's, there's none of that. You know, it's just about being silent in the suffering. Hmm. And it was interesting because what meditation does is it... You know, I was able to heal myself because I can see, you know, through the, the years that I didn't have a teacher and I did meditate, it, 
I can I can track the transformation that took place, the healing that took place because the trauma, <laughs> the trauma, and being able to just reverse that process, reverse that pattern of suffering just from meditation alone. The first time I went to, to Yondumba a few mm -hmm. years ago, mm -hmm. um, I was very surprised and I felt very, I felt very, I quite, was quite delighted to see mm -hmm. how many gods and goddesses and different deities were represented in that Ndumba. Mm -hmm. There was Hare Krishna, there was like a Hindu goddess, there was uh, a Star of David, there was a Christian um, Mm -hmm. symbolism, there was African symbolism, there were South American symbols and I was like, wow, okay, this is there's quite a, a protean nature about mm. the space um, and so how did that come to be? How did you come to be that person? Well, I, I have a strong foundation like I say in, in meditation and, um, and particularly the Tibetan Buddhism um, I was very much drawn to that. And I remember one of my teachers had said to me that I, you know, you definitely, um, he was from Tibet, um, Geshla something, Gyatso. Um, and he definitely said to me that you, you definitely, you know, have the nature or the karmic imprint of someone that has, you know, lived in Tibet, I remember lifetimes in Tibet. Sure. Yeah. I remember lifetimes as a Sufist. <laughs> I remember lifetimes as an Andean priest. I remember lifetimes on other planets. May sound bizarre, but out there. I remember lifetimes you know, living in other dimensions. So, okay, I don't want to veer off um, too much, but um, the foundation, you know, was, was a meditation, but what actually sort of sparked my journey or began my journey, I just came out of film school and I was starting out my film career and um, there was a brief that was sent out and they were looking for filmmakers and um, and I pitched an idea to um, one of the executive producers about um, wanting to make a film on nature conservation and uh, pollution and all of this responsible stuff. And, you know, this guy looked at me and he was just like, girl, that sounds all cool. That sounds all great, but I think that you should make a film on something that's more relevant to you, to who you are, that speaks to you, you know? And I'm like, say what? Like, is it because I'm black <laughs> that I can't make films on nature conservation? It's not an African thing, this nature conservation thing. What is it, mm, you know? That's Science, a good question, though. Whatever, you know? Mm. No, that was my initial reaction. Mm. Um, and then uh, eventually, 
when I went home and I actually sat down and thought about it, I was like, you know what, maybe he does have a point. You know, maybe he, you know, he, he actually does have a point. Uh, because it means that before I go out and tell stories about other people, I need to look into my own backyard. Mm. And I think as filmmakers, that's kind of the thing that we fail to do or the first mistake that we make is that we, we tend to want to tell stories about what's happening out mm. there, those natural disasters, this, this, that, and the other. But we haven't even bothered to look into our own backyard. We haven't even bothered to look at ourselves as human beings. So we want to tell stories about other people, but we don't even know ourselves mm. to begin with. We don't understand our psyche. We don't, you know what I mean? Mm. So I was like, the arrow <laughs> was directed this way. That I, that, 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 look, that eye that's overlooking the world was now directed within. And so, um, Obviously, I'm like, okay, I need to learn about myself. I need to go into my roots, blah, 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 all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, I went to museums, I went to history books, and I was just like, okay, you know, it, it was just Eurocentric archives of who I'm supposed mm. to be, or, mm. <laughs> you know, mm. <laughs> the gaze was from like, you know, it was like the Western gaze. And that then forced me to the frustration of reading all that. Um, led me to then going back to my grandmother's village. Muruling mm -hmm. um, village. Um, to, to, to learn about myself and who I am and who my, you know, who my predecessors were and where they came from. And, um, yeah, it was a mind-blowing journey, mm -hmm. you know, because everything that I had learned or been taught about myself was sort of demystified, you know. It was just all of those illusions. And then it, it started to really just reveal my that self hatred that we have mm -hmm. for ourselves. You know, that's when I started confronting the self <laughs> hatred and redefining myself and um and that's where my spiritual you know, that film led me to to my calling. Sure. And I almost feel like my elders were like, okay, <laughs> we need to bring her back here. <laughs> How do we do that? How do we use this film thing as a tool to guide her back to herself, you know, to come home? And, um, and I met my teacher, Baba Nongklanka, um, an amazing and powerful woman that's taught me so much. And when we opened those gates, 
because you have what you call a bula ceremony when you start your process. And when we opened those gates, it was like, you know, it was like all the gates opened. Mm. <laughs> all of the gates. It was like ancestors of the north and the south and the east and the west walked through mm -hmm. those gates. Mm. And it, it didn't make sense to me initially because it was just like, okay, but this is, you know, the the African traditional. Mm. And it, 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 it was so interesting how my spiritual journey as an African led me to you know, it, it dismantled <laughs> so many things, so many belief systems. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's kind of, it, it, it was, it was, it was the rainbow journey. I call it a rainbow journey. <laughs> I love how you're describing just like the expanse of it because we have a very particular, I say we, but there is this idea that African spirituality can only be one thing. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's what we're trying to unpack with this podcast, but also just experientially, because if Africa is the, the cradle of humankind, there's an expansiveness there. Mm -hmm. um, and like, yeah, I, I, wish, I want to hear more. Like, what, what, what does that look like for you? Because you're, it's like myth busting in yep. a sense, um, that we could have connections with the East. Mm -hmm. We could have connections with the North, which is a very uncomfortable connection if you think of the global North. Um, yeah, so, I don't know. Say more. My initiation, it made me aware that I'm an intergalactic, multidimensional being. And, like I say, it's, it's almost like, how do I describe it? But it, it's almost like, we have to understand, and I had to learn, that it is the spirit realm that gives birth to the material realm mm -hmm. and not the other way around. So we cannot define <laughs> the spiritual realm through our experience of the physical realm alone. Wow. So unless that veil is removed you know how do we then how the, how do we then know <laughs> what what that picture is mm. like and for many of us that's why it is called an initiation process it is a dismantling process of you know the 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 3d world the the the, the three-dimensional veil of illusion and that's why when you undergo this process, with this initiation process, the most important thing is purification. Mm. It is a purification process. And the most powerful medicine is purification because purification does not, does not feed you. We spend our entire lives from the time we are born 
the time, you know, until we die being fed. So we are fed our mother's breast milk. We are uh, fed ideas, belief systems, emotions. It, it's, it, there's a constant, and then we eat and we eat and we consume and mm. we consume and we take in and we take in and we receive and receive and receive. But the most powerful medicine is the purification because what the purification does is it it takes away it 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 strips away it strips you away of of all of that <laughs> information i mean that that is in itself a healing mm. it's like a detox it's yes. like a and that is a place that we have to that is the foundation, that is a place where we have to find ourselves eventually on our spiritual journey as Africans as well. Mm. And for me, because I'm a very, you know, I'm, <laughs> I think Millie knows this, I'm not a, I'm not a conventional Google. And I, and I used to, and, 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 it, and, it, and it was very interesting because I always grew up as an outcast, but now I'm <laughs> I'm an outcast in the Sagova realm. You know what I mean? So I'm an outcast and outcast. <laughs> mm, you're the marginal of the marginal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So it was just, and, and it's hard. It's hard. It's very hard. It's a very hard journey, but I had to, and then I, I learned that I had to become the outcast. Mm. We have to be outcasted in order to learn the truth mm. about ourselves mm. and who we are. And obviously in my, in my journey as a healer and a Sangoma, and I think that every healer and every Sangoma and Nyanga, and, you know, they, we all go through that doubt. We all go, go through that doubt and we all go through that uncertainty. It's part of the journey and the mystery is important because if you don't go through that doubt, you know, if you're going to go through this process and then three months later, it's like, ah, I know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> this is how it's supposed to be. This is how it all plays out. This is how the ceremonies and the rituals and the this and the that and the this and the that is supposed to be. then I think you, you've kind of missed <laughs> mm. the picture a little bit because the real initiation is the mystery. Mm. The real initiation is the doubt because the doubt takes you to that place where... Because we don't want to be in doubt. We don't allow ourselves as human beings to be in doubt. We yeah. always want to be in the know. We, we, we always want to be in the light. Yeah. Even as Sangomas, we want to be in the light. We want to be in the known. We want to follow the processes the way that, you know, that <laughs> they've been done. Mm. Yeah. The rituals and this and that. Everything. Protocol. This, 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 that. But then we, I think we miss we miss about yeah our salvation is in that uncertainty mm. 
The womb is not a place of fear or pain. It's a place to create life. You're listening to Umoya on African spirituality. We continue our conversation with Gogo Sophia. Just to kind of expand it even further with something like bleeding, mm-hmm. which more than half of the world's population does every month. Mm-hmm. How do our bodies communicate this through bleeding or communicate anything through bleeding? We're going now kind of towards the direction of the moon, mm-hmm. time and periods and menstruation and the power of the feminine and wombs um, and also how those aren't necessarily the domain of women only or people who have the physical bodies or mm-hmm. of women. But it's um, also a marginalized discourse. Like, I shouldn't yeah. use that word, but it's a marginalized conversation. Nobody wants to talk about yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. that part of us. Because it's got such mystery. Mm. Yes, and, and, and they want to keep it mysterious. And power. And power. Yeah. All the things yeah. you've just and described. Power. Mm. And yeah. power. Yeah. I mean, in, in the African tradition, and the African culture, the womb center is so, 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 so sacred. It, you know, when you, as a woman, come of age... Your grandmothers, for them, it becomes a priority to make sure that their granddaughter or their daughter, that their womb becomes a sacred space, a sacred place, and it is treated as a sacred place that it is loved, that it is nurtured, but most importantly, that it is protected. When you, in the African tradition, well, in particularly the Bakata tradition, because um, that is where my mother and my great-grandmother hail from, when you are, when you conceive, and when you are three months pregnant, you are given a herb to drink. And that herb is important because what it does is that if the mother goes into shock or she, you know, encounters a serpent, (laughs) you know, while fetching water and she, you know, she's frightened, she's traumatized. This herb that she's given to drink ensures that no fear enters Mm. the uterus. So regardless of the trauma and the shock and and the depression and whatever it is that that consciousness is not allowed to enter the medicine literally diverts so 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 that's what i mean when i say that in african tradition the womb is a sacred space it is a sacred space. 
And there are many institutions that were put in place to support the woman and to support her womb, her relationship with the womb. And remember that as a woman, you know, and the womb itself, it's like that's a continuity of a, of a society, of a community. Mm. That is the birthplace. Mm. You, know, if, you know, if I even think of the Bakatla, Bakakafela, where do they come from? That sacred womb center. So there were certain processes from the time that you were born until the time that you came of age and it was time for you now to become a mother. There were many processes involved in nurturing and caring and protecting the womb. Mm. Number one, when you started your menstrual cycle, and oftentimes your, your menstrual cycle was something that, you know, the grandmothers, they had to observe. They had to mm. kind of, okay, where's, where's my daughter now? You know, and sometimes they would even delay your menstrual cycle. They would delay the process, you know, the, the, the beginning of that, of that cycle. And reason being, it's because when you start your menstrual cycle, then all of the, you know, all of these hormones in your body and obviously you, at some point, have to enact those hormones, or that energy. You know, but if you're, if you're 13 years old, if you're 14 years old, it, then it brings a lot of confusion. Mm -hmm. So your innocence was, 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 was protected. You know, it was until you were ready to be a woman. So they ensured that your menstrual cycle would coincide with your rites of passage. Mm. So there, 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 there's this tree called the Marula tree. And um, the Marula, the trunk of the Marula tree excretes a resin. Mm -hmm. And I remember I used to, <laughs> I used to eat it as a child. But you know, the children in the community were guided by their grandmothers to eat that resin because it's very sweet. Mm, yeah. mm, you know, it's tasty. It's yummy. I used to stick my fingers in there all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and the chemical compound in that resin actually helps to delay. Oh. We know nothing. <laughs> you know, the, we the <laughs> menstrual cycle. And, and some women are reported to have had their period at the age of 20. Wow. And the reason being is that when you then go through your rites of passage, that's when you are taken into nature, into the mountains, you're in isolation, you're with the elders of the community, and for the first time you get to know who it is Mm. that you are you know what 
What, 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 what star is connected to your menstrual cycle? Your, you know, whatever diseases that you're carrying, they get diagnosed and they get cured hmm. in that process. And the first thing that happens when you start your menstrual cycle is that, number one, you are ill. Okay, everybody knows <laughs> you are ill, you are taken to the side, okay, to receive healing. Wow. And one of the things that happen is that your grandmother will take cow dung, and that cow dung, they would make a paste, and they would encircle your womb area all the way to your back, with that cow dung. And the second thing they would do is they would take the cow dung and they would put a paste right at the top of your neck all the way down to your coccyx, down your spine. And what the cow dung did is that it strengthened the uterus. Okay? <laughs> it strengthened the uterus. When it, when it is placed down your spine, it, it strengthens your back. Because remember that your spine is, is linked to your bones and your nervous system mm. and everything. So your body is already being prepared from your first period. From the first time you bleed is already being prepared it's already preparing the body to be able to bear a, ch a child-bearing body. Hmm. To carry the integrity to bear a child. To have a strong body, a strong uterus, a healthy uterus. So the role of nurturing and caring for the womb and protecting the womb was prime, mm. was vital because when the womb is being nurtured and cared for and protected, it, there, there's a very pure energy that circulates through it. Your, and when that there is a pure energy that encircles the womb, then you know you're 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 much healthier. Your you know your heart is warmer. Your emotions are clearer. Your mind is clearer. It influences your relationships, the relationship between you and your daughter, the relationship between you and your husband, because there is pure energy that is emanating from the womb because it's being protected. It's being purified. It's being cleansed. It's... But if... For example, 
that womb space is not being nurtured and cared for, it can become very toxic mm. and it can become very clouded. Mm. And that's what we're seeing right now with a lot of women. And remember that that is where the Shakti, what we call the Shakti energy, that is where it flows. Mm-hmm. And so if that space is distorted, if that space is toxic, then the energy that flows from there becomes very distorted. What's the Shakti energy? It's the divine feminine energy. So it is, it is the Kundalini, what we call the Kundalini. So you have the Shakti and the Shiva. So at the base of your spine is is a coiled up snake that's sleeping. And depending on what you do with your life, the choices that you make, that energy can either remain asleep or it can start to awaken. And when it starts to awaken, that is when what we call your divine nature starts to awaken with it. Mm. So it, it's almost like the, the, the current, it carries a current. Mm. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Mm. So mm. It, it's like that room space is carrying the current for your divine energy, for your creation energy to flow through you. And is this for everybody? Everybody, man and woman. <laughs> I know we're mm. very focused on, on, on the woman, but the man carries an anatomical, uh, an energetic oh. womb. Mm. Because remember that men are linked mm. to their mother's womb. Mm. So ener- there's an energetic cord between a man and your mother and their mother's mother. And all that information gets carried from generation to generation. So the womb, it's like, it's like a sponge. It absorbs. It's, it's creation energy. It, it, it's almost like it is a catalyst mm. in nature because everything contains a womb. You know, everything contains... A nucleus, you know, in in the cells, there is a nucleus. The universe itself contains the womb, which is the black hole, which has given birth to everything in existence. So there is that continuous flow of energy that links us from your to your mother, to your mother's mother, to until you reach the first ancestor and like I say based on your journey and the journey of your predecessors will decide on how pure the channel from your first most ancient and wisest ancestor to you You're listening to Umoya on African Spirituality. 
We continue our conversation with Gogo Sophia. What do you make of the current deconstruction of gender roles and gender itself? Is that something that gives credence to this purification that you're speaking of? Or is, is there a numbing of the masculine and the feminine energies along with it, along with us saying, let's deconstruct gender, which obviously that's, being, that's trying to liberate us from patriarchy. Mm-hmm. But, but what else is being thrown out with that bathwater? Mm-hmm. In terms of understanding our, our bodies in, 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 from an energetic perspective. Mm. I mean, it's, it's crucial for there to be a balance between the masculine and feminine energy because at the moment there is almost like a domination of that masculine energy, you know, that wants to override the feminine energy. And that has been going on for, you know, however millennia. And I don't mean a man dominating a woman. Mm. Mm. I mean, even in the manner in which we are dealing with gender identity and (laughs) it is from a very (laughs) masculine and domineering masculine perspective. So we need to examine and actually own up to our own inner patriarchy as women. Mm -hmm. You know, if we're going to be feminists, if we're going to be, we need to own up to that. We need to own up to how we have played that role and how we have contributed to that role because we, we embody the masculine. It's a part of us. It's not separate from us. Mm. So there's a lot of, you know, we are women and we're going out into the world and we are, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of that. But I think that it's, it's very, sometimes it, it's very distorted. Because like, you know, <laughs> like, like that, that, um, that producer that just told me to take the arrow and... Turn it on yourself, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the healing starts here Mm. right on yourself always yeah and once that healing has taken place within yourself there's like a click because you know we what we're trying to do is so external and i'm not saying that we shouldn't be activists and we shouldn't write articles and we shouldn't but it's like the healing should happen within and without, mm-hmm. you know, it shouldn't just be directed in one direction mm-hmm. when we're not owning up to our own inner patriarchy in that process. Mm. My question was quite similar to, maybe it's to stretch, you mentioned the word numbing. Yeah. And that's a huge, not so huge, but so when I came into this conversation about womb health, Someone described the process of women using contraceptives, for example, as a numbing. Mm. 
mm-hmm. of what you've just described. And I wonder if you could just speak to that because a lot of women, you know, we get the message about using contraceptives and particular kinds of contraceptives because it's the right thing to do, mm-hmm. um, controlling our bodies again, being the good girl and all of those things without realizing the implication. So it's, I mean, it almost comes later because you, mm-hmm. haven't even, you haven't even been initiated, right, in the current mm-hmm. system that we're in. So already we don't know the power and the beauty and what is actually happening in our womb. And then we kind of pack on mm. the narrative about contraceptives because and controlling we, our we, bodies. We don't want to be in that space. Yeah. When I had my first period, I didn't want to be in that space. Mm. I didn't want to be in that space. I didn't want to be uncomfortable. <laughs> I didn't want to, you know, because so often in the modern world, it's an inconvenience mm, to yeah. be mm-hmm. in your period. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like you just want to get it over and done with. Yeah. The, the, the period pains, my gosh. So all of that, you know, numbing out, it's like you just don't want to know. Mm. But it's, it's, it's because we, we haven't, created that space for us as women in society because in many indigenous cultures when you are going through that you're not you're not in a meeting Mm -hmm. in santon in a suit and like (laughs) come on You're in a menstrual hut somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Somewhere. Mm. Yeah, I was gonna say like it's it's not a coincidence that these rites of passage have been taken away and mm-hmm. the ones for boys and men have been kept. And so, you know, everything you've just said has, for the first time in my life, allowed me to let go of the resentment that I felt for my, towards my mother for a very long time for mm-hmm. not giving me a better day mm-hmm. when I got my period. Mm-hmm. For For not, for kind of... Because I realized she didn't have a mother and her mother didn't have a mother. And so there's that link. There's the link in that when I got my period, it was kind of a very rushed kind of hide before anyone sees you change the color of your panty, wear a dark panty. um, Don't tell anyone. And you're also reliving a pattern Mm -hmm. that's being imprinted in your room space. So whatever experience, if... If your great-grandmother experienced shame, that then that shame would be passed on to your mother. Mm. And mm. it can only play out. I always say, the initial years of your life is not you. It is just a pattern, an old pattern that plays out because the seeds that have been planted, that is the harvest Hmm. That is a harvest that you will, you know, if you planted tomatoes last year, then this year, you know, it's like. Hmm. So, but what's important is to, when we do become aware that it's a pattern that is playing out, then we can start reversing that pattern right just through the awareness Mm. of what is unfolding yeah Hmm. 
and it's 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 also about reclaiming our power because we we're no longer at the mercy of tampons and pads and condoms and contraceptives and <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Yeah. You can start a whole new system for yourself, mm-hmm. a whole new ritual for yourself. Because that's sort of the picture, you know. <laughs> can you unpack that a little yeah. bit? Ah, how do I unpack this? Um, how do we go beyond the cosmetic, you know? Mm. So yes, I can stop being on the pill. I can um, go from using tampons to a moon cup. Mm-hmm. So that that is what I've done personally mm-hmm. ever since I mm. acknowledged the pain of tampons. I'd never acknowledged mm. it. I just lived with it because I thought that that's mm. how it's meant to be. Mm. And so, yes, I've changed now. There's a different tool that I use. Mm. And yet I'm still far from reaching mm. a true understanding mm. of the power of my monthly cycle mm. um, and how it's related to the moon. And, and for instance, if you, I mean, if you break that word inyanga mm. down mm. in Kosa or in Guni languages, inyanga is the moon. Mm. The healer is called inyanga. When a woman is on her period, mm-hmm. translating to mm-hmm. she's on the moon. Um, and so the interrelatedness, I'm far, I'm far from claiming, I mean, I know this intellectually. Mm-hmm. And, and so how does, how does one become to, how does one come to practice, practice mm-hmm. that? Um, do we have to reinvent rites of passage? Do mm-hmm. we have, what do we do as modern women all over the world who are, mm-hmm. you know, this knowledge, knowledge is emerging, mm-hmm. especially on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, but how do I take it home? Mm. I think what I was speaking to when I was talking about the tampons and the pads is that our relationship with our womb has become very mechanical. Mm-hmm. Almost like machine-like. So, so that tampon and that pad, it's just like, <laughs> this machine it's like steel it's like it's harsh and what is important is that we need to and, and, and that and that's what's been happening throughout the years is that we've taken something a process that is very natural and very organic and we've made it inorganic almost sucked the life out of it and it's time for us to breathe life back (laughs) Mm. breathe life back and it's time for that process to become graceful again Mm. I love that word and when I say grace, I don't mean high heels and, <laughs> mm. um, you know, perfume. No, I mean that it's almost like the grace has been taken out from the rawness and, 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 and just the, the, the groundedness, the, the moist, the 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 being the being dirty, 
I don't know if you, you guys are sort of yeah I'm following I'm following mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. but the that you know grace. Also, we have you know mechanified grace. We've made it like put perfume on it, <laughs> put them high heels on it, put it. <laughs> and that is that is not a true definition of beauty. That is not a true definition of grace. So it's it's like we need to come back. We need to be grounded. We need to dig our hands deep in, into the soil and mm-hmm. get our hands dirty. And it's okay. And embrace that. Embrace that space. Be in that space. Love that space. Again. Because you've been taught to hate that space. Mm-hmm. And and, 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 and and then take it from there. Take it from there. I mean, there, there are many things that can be reintroduced back into society, many practices that can be reintroduced back into society. And by reintroducing, you know, through education, through going back to our elders, mm. you know, I had to go back to my grandmother to learn this information, going back to our elders and creating new policies in society, in the workplace. You know, just redefining ourselves and redefining, you know, recreating, you know, (laughs) and, and, and it's interesting because we are talking about the womb being a portal for the divine to flow through us. We, as human beings, are co-creators with the divine. Mm. We can change the fundamentals. That's what we're here to do. (laughs) That's why this sacredness is within us, to bring that change, that transformation, to birth a new world, a new reality. That is what this is. So what does this mean, though, for women who have experienced a lot of pain or are experiencing a lot of pain? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, trauma. we talk about trauma, mm-hmm. fibroids, cysts. cancer, cysts, mm-hmm. women who want to have children but can't. Endometriosis. And it's so rough Rape. and it's getting younger and younger. You know, women are dealing with that younger and younger. Mm-hmm. Um, where did they find a space to reclaim mm. for themselves? And I'm, I'm just thinking someone who listens to this and mm. is like, okay, there's this imaginative process that you're describing and there's hope and that healing. But right now I've got cysts or I've mm-hmm. got endometriosis and, you know, how can we mm-hmm. lighten that up? Mm-hmm. What can we offer? The womb is very much linked to the heart. And it's amazing when we heal the heart, we are automatically healing the womb. So by 
healing oneself by asking for the support, by asking for the help. Taking it step by step. Getting guidance, getting advice. Already you are starting to reverse the process. But remember that the womb is also, it's a barometer. So when we are having a heavy menstrual cycle, when we are fatigued, when we are in pain, when we are, the womb is saying to you, you need to slow down. Mm-hmm. You need to slow down. You need to set boundaries. This relationship, this partnership with whoever, it's not working. It's not happening. You're not happy. So the womb becomes, it's like, it's also like our intuitive tool of how we gauge with the world. It's like, why am I in my cycle? Why today am I... Why am I so angry this month? What am I dealing with? What haven't I dealt with? Mm. They're starting to unpack that for yourself. Just on an emotional level. And it's very interesting because if your womb is telling you something and it's very good to go into stillness and to go into a quiet space and really just write those emotions down, express yourself, how you're feeling. And, and once you start following the guidance and you base your decisions on the guidance that you are receiving, when you start making those life changes... And already, then the womb doesn't have to be so aggressive in telling you what to do. And it gets worse and worse and worse because you're not listening. Mm. The period pains get worse. The fatigue gets worse. The PMS gets worse. It blows up because this being within you is trying to communicate to you and guide you, but you're not listening. So I think when you then start to tune in and listen to your divine mother when she is communicating with you, you are also on many levels healing your womb, your womb space. Mm. Just from that. I'm thinking now, so most women, when it gets more and more aggressive, and I don't know if it's an irony or if it's just, again the context that we're in, we run to the doctor Mm. and the doctor is often a man who's going to tell you to get rid of your period. Um, And again, I guess it's, I mean, that's the, the, we know that that's Mm -hmm. the reality and how do we we need to bring that into saying, no, that's not okay. And almost many women want it. Can I just say quickly to add to that Mm. or just as an appendage, the fact that 
gynecology is the domain of men in the world? Can we talk about how bizarre that is in the West? And as people who are also living Western formulations of life, how this thing that is been the domain of the feminine and the tradition of women. I mean, people don't say, my grandfather told me this when I got my period. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? In the West, it's yeah. something, it's the domain that is controlled by men. And the industry. Of the industry, it's the industrialization yeah. of the, the female reproductive system. Mm. Is it, should we wonder why there is no cure for things like endometriosis? There is no cure for things like fibroids. It's because men are not going through those things in their bodies and so yeah it just made me think of that yeah yeah i mean i, I guess that's where i'm going right with mm-hmm. so we, women don't seek help we don't know where to ask sometimes mm. and i guess this is why this show is so exciting for me because it's you know saying that there are people like you and i'm sure you've got a community of women who know this mm. i mean my i've been thinking about this since last year october Incidentally, it was a man who actually told me about womb health, mm-hmm. but luckily kind of planted a seed for me to talk to other women and find out. And then you do actually discover that there are, there's a whole community, an international community, actually, mm-hmm. of women who are trying to reclaim mm-hmm. the space. And that's been the most beautiful thing for me. And so when you say, you know, you don't do it by yourself, the instinct is go to that little room with the one white man mm-hmm. doctor to tell you what to do with your body. But actually, you heal in community as women. Mm-hmm. You yes. heal our wombs in community. You don't heal by, by yourself. yourself. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But I, I almost feel like those men <laughs> in white coats and steel. <laughs> mm, there's always steel and lights. And douchebags. But Literal douchebags, not like people. <laughs> <laughs> but interestingly enough, the womb space is, it's, it's almost like the, the first space that the divine feminine and the divine masculine meet. Mm-hmm. So in the process of making love, that is sort of the, the conjoining or the, the bonding, the connection. And it is for the masculine to then step in and go, as a divine feminine, how do I support you? How do I protect you? How do I hold you? How do I... That is actually what is meant to happen when two people come together. And on a very superficial level, I almost see those men in suits, in in those white suits, seeking that unconsciously. You reckon? Because they... They, because they're not doing it. It's the energy that's led them to. Hmm. Because naturally, the masculine and the feminine are meant to find balance, support each to other, meet, to support each other, and they meet in the womb center. The Shakti and the Shiva energy meets. I've never thought about it like that. You're hiking in that. 
the masculine is meant to hold mm. and support and support the feminine. That is what is meant to happen. Mm. Wow. And 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 is it the same in same-sex relationships? Yes. We all carry a masculine and a feminine. So it's not so There's much the always, body, mm, it's, it's the, the energy. Body, it's the energy. It's the energy, because remember that the spirit translates, creates. Mm, the, the, physical. the physical. Yeah, it goes back to that point that you made. Yeah. Around. Mm. But that's another conversation mm. for another day. Mm. <laughs> um, with regards to that. And we, we must never forget the role of the masculine in all of this. It's very important. What is it? Mm -hmm. Say more, brother. It is. It's, it's, that, it's, it's that support. It's that mm. protection. It's that, you know, because uh, it's like the, the masculine energy plants the seed and the feminine energy nurtures it so that it can grow. So they both play an important role. So you can't have the masculine energy dominating and overriding mm. the feminine energy and the feminine energy overriding and dominating. They have to be in balance. It has to be harmony. Yeah, that's a hard pull to swallow. Not so much a hard pull to swallow, but it, it's takes a bit of wrapping our heads around mm -hmm. given you know what it means like because everything is so material so mm -hmm. when you talk about a man protecting or masculine energy protecting I immediately mm -hmm. think of a man kind of hurting. taking over space or hurting mm -hmm. in the name of protecting or being patronized or being... But that is many, many, many eons of programming mm -hmm. We are being programmed, mm. so we, we, we resist the masculine. We immediately just shut it down. Mm. <laughs> but yet it Get out of this room. Thrive. Yeah, in a weird yeah, way. Because it, you know, it's, it's, that fear is, is not real. Mm. That fear. And we have to overcome that, that fear. And we have to actually recognize that that energy is not a divine, it's not a representation of the true divine masculine. Mm. Okay. This is it a very isn't. important point. Okay. That this is not a representation of the true divine masculine energy. Meaning, we then need to study and learn so that we can understand what is the true divine masculine energy and what is the true divine feminine, feminine energy mm -hmm. because I think we have it all wrong. Mm -hmm. We're masquerading actually. And, and the level of distance from the truth is manifesting in all this craziness. The these, violence. The, the violence. Mm -hmm. The violence. You know, in Dada last week in our interview said, we cannot do without each other. And I thought, how are we going to make sense of that? How are we going to take that and make it real? Because at the moment, 
the posture of feminist anger does want to eject any form of masculine energy and representation in the room. It says, get out of the room. Because it's obviously tired, it's exhausted. But how do we then wrap our heads around we cannot actually do without each other? Because that is true. As you say, there's a complementary nature to these roles. But that's why I say that the healing needs to take place. If you don't address the healing of the trauma, you know, the those negative emotions will always mask the truth. It will always distort the truth. And then you can't really argue with that person because they will always come from a space of woundedness. And it's, a, it's about the purification process. It's about extracting everything that is foreign because there's a lot of manipulation and we have to be aware of that. Mm. And that's why many philosophers or healers or they always say, know thyself. Before you know anything else, know thyself. And you have to realize that if you've endured a lot of trauma, a lot of suffering, depression, it it masks, it clouds the truth because you are viewing reality from a very distorted perspective. So the healing needs to take place first. And once that healing has taken place, then you are viewing everything from a place of clarity and a place of integrity. So you, you also do, um, you actually facilitate, yeah, so rights tell us about and facilitate um, workshops and, he and healing yes. for, for people. Yes, yes. I, I do what we call the womb rite. Mm -hmm. And it is a, an energetic transmission because you have to remember we spoke about the womb being a space that has a memory and it carries a lot of information from generation to generation to generation. And what has happened over time is that the womb has become a place of pain and suffering simply because of what we as women have gone through because we carry a physical womb mm. just being born into this earth as a woman and the womb ride is about transforming that energy and reversing that pattern and that cycle of suffering so it is an energetic transmission that literally it goes into your genetics 
into your DNA. It goes into your emotional body. It goes into your mental body. And it is burning away all that no longer serves you. Or it catapults that healing process for yourself. It's almost like it's, it's kind of giving you a head start. And many women have just, from receiving this transmission, have just, you know, just reported so much healing in profound ways. Just simply the awareness, the power that one reclaims, the connection to the cosmic mother, to the divine feminine. The awareness starting to feel, because a lot of us numb out from the pain. Yeah. We start to remember, we start to remember, oh my God, my mother. I mean, the first thing I felt was my mother. And having remembered her, her own suffering. And it's almost like, like you say, then I had to forgive her. I had to forgive her. So forgiveness starts to take place because you you know before that awareness you didn't even know you you had something to forgive forgive. (laughs) you know yeah you didn't even realize that you had something to heal and and just simply you know the workshop in itself it it you know we we also you know we come together and we talk about the womb and the womb space and womb healing and womb awareness and the power of the womb and what you can manifest, what you can create for yourself. We talk about relationships. It's, it's like it, it almost intersects everything so that you can start thinking of yourself differently and start having a different relationship mm-hmm. with your womb center and your room center begins to become a place of power, of your own creative power. It becomes a magnetic force that can attract everything that you desire and need towards yourself. If you can start building new relationships, attracting different kinds of partnerships, Build a new relationship with your mother. Build a new relationship with your children and with community because it all starts there in that center. And the seeds that we planted, that we start, we start planting new seeds. Sebongakoko. <laughs> of course. Yeah, 
Kamoya on African Spirituality is created by Atambila Masola and Melissa Tando Bongela, together with our producer, Kakhisom Nisi, Navagazimanzi, the executive producer, and our editor, Spamandla Yende. Umoya on African Spirituality is a Kaya FM podcast. Look out for new episodes every second Thursday on kayafm.co.za. Follow Kaya FM on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for updates. Mm-hmm.